go ahead and take your Bibles out and turn into the book of Judges here tonight. You know, look at some thoughts from the life of Adonai Bezek, a king who was deposed of or destroyed, and uh, certainly again saw some things that we can learn from him. But uh, tonight we're going to take and kind of take a large chunk of this passage of scriptures. We've kind of looked at Judges chapter 1, uh, 1 through verse number 19 to a large degree as we've seen, again, a faithful group of individuals go into the promised land. Uh, tonight I want to consider another thought here from this chapter and going into chapter 2 as we consider here tonight a people that stopped short a people that stopped short. And I want to consider this thought here from the Word of God here tonight. Start in Judges chapter 1, verse number 21. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell in the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph sent to describe Bethel, now the name of the city before was Luz. And the spy saw a man come forth out of the city, and they said unto him, Show us, we pray thee, the entrance into thy city, and we will show thee mercy. And when he entered, uh, and, and when he showed them the entrance of the city, they smote the city with the edge of the sword, but they let the man and all, uh, let go of the man and all his family. And the man went into the land of the Hittites and built a, a city and called the name of, uh, of their Luz, which is the name thereon to this day. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of uh, Bethshashan and her towns, and uh, Tenak and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor or her towns, nor the inhabitants of uh, Bilam and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo. And her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not utterly drive them out. Neither did the Ephraim drive out the Canaanites that dwell in Jezer, but the Canaanites dwelt in Jezer uh, among them. Neither did Zebulun drive out the Hamas of Kitaron, uh, nor the Hamas of Nahalo. Uh, but the Canaanites dwelt among them and became tributaries. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Achor, nor the, the inhabitants of Zidon, nor, the, nor of Ahalab, or nor of Azavib, nor of uh, Helibo, uh, Helaba, sorry, um, nor of Aphek, nor of uh, Rehalab. It mentions again here some other peoples that did not, verse number 33, it said, did not drive out. And it goes on in verse number 34, And the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley, but the Amorites would dwell in Mount Harris, in Agilon, and in uh, Shalabim. Uh, yet the hand of the house of Joseph prevailed, so they became tributaries. And the coast of the Amorites was from the going up to Acherib, uh, from the rock and upward, on chapter 2. And the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you go up out of Egypt. I have brought you into land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will not, never break my covenant with you. 
And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. You shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they will be thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they called the name of the place uh, Bochim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. I want to skip through a few verses there. Again, actually verse number 7 uh, through verse number 11. Uh, I mean, uh, verse number 10 that deal with, again, some things that uh, we're going to look at maybe a little later. Uh, but verse number 11, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed after the gods of the gods of the people that round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth. I'm going to stop there as we consider this thought, a people that stop short. A people that stop short. Let's pray as we consider this thought tonight. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, for your word here tonight. And as we consider this thought of stopping short, again, there are times that we do indeed need to stop short and maybe doing something, certainly something that's wrong, something maybe that's unscriptural, maybe something that wouldn't be right in, in your eyes to do. Again, stopping short is normally... Uh, something that's both positive and negative, but tonight we're going to look at it as something that's negative. Uh, to stop short here, we find in the Bible, was something that God's people did here in going in the promised land, and it cost them, and it hurt them for a long time. Again, just bless this time as we consider the Word of God here tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. This idea of stopping short isn't actually used in this text, but we see, again, uh, the reality of them not doing what they were supposed to do. And there are different words used in this text that describe this. In verse number 21, it says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt in the, in, uh, with the children of Benjamin, in Jerusalem unto this day, they did not drive them out. They were supposed to drive them out, but they did not drive them out. So they stopped short of doing what they were supposed to do. Verse number 27 and following, you see an expression used here several times here. It, it uses the expression, verse number 27, neither did Manasseh drive out. Neither did, and it gives the name of a tribe, drive out. See the same again expression used in verse number 29, neither did Ephraim drive out. Verse 30, neither did Zebulun drive out. Verse number 31, neither did Asher drive out. And again it says that in verse number 33, neither did Naphtali drive out. And certainly Dan in verse number 30 didn't drive out either. It says there in verse 34, the Amorites forced the children of Dan, into the mountains, for they would not suffer them to come down to the valley, but the Amorites would dwell in Mount Harris, in Agilon, and in Shalibim. And so anyways, you find in the Bible that all these tribes that are mentioned here, as we look at the end part of the chapter, they did not do what they were supposed to be doing. And so again, the story of God's people was to do some certain things when they went into Canaan. 
And so we're going to back up, look at a little bit of history here. Let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 when they came into what we call the promised land. There were things that they were to do. And uh, again, they began to do those things, which we'll see in the book of Joshua, because I want to take a little overview of the book of Joshua. They began to do what they were supposed to do. In fact, they did it very faithfully, and they did it with much faith as they began to do what God would have them to do. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, and I want us to pick up here verse number 1, they were supposed to do some things as they went in the promised land. And again, we're back in the time of Moses here, back in Deuteronomy, and so we'll pick up here in verse number 1. It says, When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou, and when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto, their, unto his son, and his daughter thou not shalt take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods, so they will Will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy you suddenly? And thus shall you deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars and break down their images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. See again what they're supposed to do. This is what they were supposed to do. And so again, if you're talking about what God's people were supposed to do. The Bible mentions several things they were supposed to do. Verse number two, uh, they were destroyed the inhabitants of the land. They were to separate themselves from the inhabitants of the land. They were not to make any league or covenant with the people of the land. They were to get rid of the idolatry in the land. They were actually to exterminate every Canaanite in the land. That's what they were supposed to do. Let's turn to Joshua chapter six, but they stopped short. To begin with, they didn't stop short. In fact, they were doing exactly what God would have them to do. I'd like to just look at a few verses here out of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 6, verse number 17. Did they start to do what they were supposed to do? Yes, they did. And that's a good thing to do what God would have you to do. But we shouldn't stop short. We need to continue to do what God would have us to do. Joshua chapter 6 here, verse number 17. We see a little summary of what took place there uh, in one of the cities, Jericho. It mentions in verse number 16, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that they're therein too. Only the array uh, of the harlot shall live, and she and all her house are worth her in, in the house, because uh, she hid the messengers of God. And so... They would destroy everything. Verse 21, And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. It says there, verse number 21, Joshua chapter 7, verse number 26. The Bible says, And they raised over him a great heap of stones, and unto this day so the Lord uh, turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Acre unto this day. They did find some trouble in the land as they didn't do exactly what they were supposed to do, but they found themselves 
uh, again, finding themselves in a position where they were conquering the foes, they were exterminating whole cities of people, conquering kings, everything along that line. In fact, let's turn to Joshua uh, chapter 10, Joshua chapter 10, and uh, verse number 31, it says, And Joshua passed from Libnah unto all Israel with him, unto Lachish, and encamped against him and fought against him. The Lord delivered Lachish in the hand of Israel, which took it in the, the second day and smote it with the edge of the sword. And all the souls that were in it, according to all they had done in Libnah, so it destroyed those inhabitants of Libnah, those at Lachish. And again, you can read on here, but we won't so much here. In verse number 40, it does say this, though, so Joshua smote all the country of the hills and all the south and all the vale of all the springs and all the kings. He left nothing remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And so you see him, and you see God's people doing what they're supposed to be doing. Joshua chapter 12, we're not going to look at it, but you can see a outline of all the kings and uh, the places that they went and you see them utterly destroy these. Joshua chapter 13 verse 1 it says now Joshua was old and stricken in years and the Lord said unto him thou art old and stricken in years and there remaineth very much land to possess. They hadn't done it all but they had started to do what they were supposed to do. Turn to Joshua chapter 18 as as time progressed, they conquered lands, they conquered people, they uh, did what God would have them to do, but there comes a time when Joshua gets old, and we can still see, again, the job is not done, and the people are starting to become slack in doing what they're supposed to be doing. In fact, Joshua says that in Joshua chapter 18, verse number 3, it says, and Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? It's yours. Take it. Do what I've told you to do. He's a leader, tells them to continue to do what they've been doing. Turn to Joshua chapter 23. Again, I'm just looking through a little bit of Joshua because it connects with Judges. And what you see in Judges, again, is again easier understood if you see at least in part what happened in the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 23, let's pick up there in verse number 11. Joshua comes basically to the end of his life now here in Joshua chapter 23. He's just about to place, he's no longer in a place of leadership, he's going to die. And so he gives a charge to the people. We can start at verse number one, but we won't. We're going to just skip through a little bit of this. Verse 11, he says this, Take good heed, therefore unto yourself, that ye you love the Lord your God, else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of the nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go in unto them, and they unto you. Know you for a certainty that the Lord your God uh, will no, long, no more drive out any of these nations from you. But they shall be snares and traps and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish off the good land which the Lord God hath given you. And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And you know in your, all your hearts and in all your soul 
that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing faileth. Therefore it shall come to pass that all the good things that are come upon you, which the Lord had God promised you, so shall the Lord bring unto you all the evil things until he hath destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord hath given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bound yourself to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given to you. He's warning them and telling them, you're going to do some things that are going to trouble you. It could be a snare to you. Again, that's the book of Joshua. We see in Joshua, they begin in the conquest of this land. But I want you to notice there, they come up short. Why do they come up short? Well, it talks about what Judah did there. We looked at the first part of the chapter. Again, Judah and Simeon went together and they began to conquer parts of the land. Each of these tribes began to conquer parts of the land, but you see there in verse number 21 that they begin to stop short. Tribe by tribe, they begin to stop short. Verse 21, the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. They didn't do. They didn't destroy. They didn't, again, eradicate. They did not exterminate. They did not destroy all the things that they were supposed to do in the land. They stopped short. In fact, look at Judges chapter 2 there. In verse number 1, it says there, And ye shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land, but ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? And we'll look at this in just a little bit, but they just stopped short. They, they didn't do completely what God would have them to do. I just want to take a little aside when it comes to this stopping short. Let's turn to Hebrews 4. You can keep a marker here in Judges chapter 1 and Judges chapter 2. But there's, uh, again, possibilities of us stopping short in a positive way. And there's sometimes, as I mentioned to begin with, but I want to mention again here, there's also times when we can stop short in a negative way. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1. The Bible says, let us... Therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. I mean, there's a possibility of entering into this rest. It talks about the rest to the people of God in this chapter. In fact, it says that in verse number 9, it says, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. But uh, people can come short of that. You know, our understanding is sometimes it's good for us to stop short in certain situations. It's good maybe if your brakes of your vehicle uh, keep you from running maybe into another vehicle because you were able to stop short of running into a vehicle. It's good, I believe, in many cases for a leader maybe instead of going to war, going into a peace process instead. It's good to stop short. Of war. It's certainly good to stop short, maybe of saying or doing something maybe you intended to do. You maybe were th- thinking about it and then you said, you know what, that's not a good idea. I- I'm going to stop short there. 
So there's certainly some positive uh, places where people stop short. Well, let's turn back to Judges chapter 2, but there are also some negative uh, stop shorts. Imagine if you were in a tournament and it's a tiebreaker and you're a professional golfer and, and it's you and somebody else, again, they're on the last hole and both of you guys are both trying to put that last putt into the hole and, and along goes your ball, you, you hit it and you come up two inches short of going into the hole. Tiebreaker. I mean, it might mean, mean the difference between you and a thousand dollars, a million dollars, whatever it might be, and uh, you come up two inches short, you say, well... I did really good here. Well, you did. You did really good. You got really close to the hole, but it didn't go in. And the other guy hits the ball in the hole. You, you're stopping short there. It's going to hurt you. That's just golf. That's a game. You know, it's good sometimes, again, for us to stop short, but it's good sometimes when we don't stop short. There are negative stopping shorts, too. It's like the guy who's an employee. I remember a guy there at work who got fired for just cursing out the vice president of Case International. He walked through our facility, and this guy was drunk. He was a painter's helper, and he began to curse out that guy. He lost his job. He should have just kept his mouth shut and just been a worker. He failed to stop short. Judges chapter 2, turning back there, many times we look at Judah and Benjamin as being kind of the star performers, maybe of the tribes of Israel in many ways. But we find here in the Bible in Judges chapter 2, verse number 21, here that it is indeed Benjamin that chooses not to do what they could have done. I don't believe it was impossible for them to do, but they just decide to stop. Verse 21, it says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And as we talk about the ways in which people might stop short, I want to consider here maybe just four different ways here that we see Judah maybe do this in this passage of scriptures, but also ways that we might do this in a non-positive way. First of all, I believe they lack the initiative to finish what they started, they stopped short. They lacked initiative to finish what they had started. You know, just about finishing something is not finishing it. But they did, in a sense, it only mentions really, again, a tribe that was allowed to dwell in Jerusalem amongst those in Benjamin. And someone might say, well, they conquered this city and they conquered this king and they did this, that, the other thing. I understand that completely, but they stopped short. And again, I believe it may have been because it was tough to fight and to travel and to do this over and over again through different areas and to conquer, travel, and all those kind of things. They just stopped short and said, hey, you know, we've got this. We've basically conquered this area. We're great. We're doing fine. So they just stopped. In fact, in verse number 28, I don't believe for a moment they didn't have the strength to do it. God promised them they would. In verse number 29, it says, And it came to pass when Israel was weak. No, it says when Israel was strong, that they put the Canaanites to tribute. It did not utterly drive them out. 
It's not that they couldn't have done it, didn't know, not that they didn't have the strength to do it, but they didn't have the desire, they didn't have the motivation, they didn't want to do it. And so, said, so the Benjamites said, hey, we'll just let the Jebusites live amongst us. And so they allowed that. And this would be, as it says there in verse number 3 of the next chapter, they'd be thorns in their sides, and they'd be a snare to them. And so they lack the initiative to finish. But also I think it may well be, and it is sometimes when we stop short of what we should do, maybe they didn't have the resolve to finish. The resolve to finish. Verse number 28, and when Israel was strong, hey, we're strong, we're a lot bigger and better than the enemy. Remember when they were to go into the land, hey, we're a bunch of strong guys. Who cares if these guys are still hanging out amongst us? We're stronger than them. We don't need to uh, literally get rid of all of them. In fact, we could probably put some of them to work as slaves and servants to us, and we could probably get some money and revenue out of these guys. We're strong. They're weak. Let's just do this. This makes a lot of sense. And so they probably kept some of them so they, you know, they could use them as workers and helpers, and they could... Maybe, you never know, maybe there's one amongst them, you know, that maybe could, maybe my son or my daughter, you know, give you a little more to choose from, whatever it might be. Again, I don't want to stretch here, but I'm just seeing, uh, they, it's not that they weren't strong enough. You know, in finishing, again, sometimes we stop short, not because we're, 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 we're weak, it's just because we just don't want to do it. Maybe we look at it as, okay, it's, it's finished enough. I don't want to waste any more money on it or spend any more time on it. The task isn't exactly something we like to do. It's actually kind of hard fighting with the enemies. We're nearly finished. We're, we're complete. Let's just call it finished. It's, have you ever come to a point where you said, well, it's done anyways? It's done as far as I'm concerned. For all practical purposes, we're done. We're the big guys. We're the strong guys. They're the weak guys. Remember, if you go back to Deuteronomy mentions they would be stronger. They were stronger than them and greater than them. Now it's flip-flopped. In verse 34 and verse number 35, maybe they looked at the situation and said, you know what? We've got a different idea instead. In fact, it says there in verse number 34, and the Amorites forced the children of Dan into the mountains, for they would not suffer them to come to the valley. So they're just saying, well, they forced us here. We're in the mountains now. Why mess with the valleys? We've got enough place to live. This is good enough for us. And so let's just hang out here. And so maybe this is God's plan for us. We shouldn't get rid of all these people. And so people make reasons not to finish or do things God's way. Think of Saul there. Oh, let's just keep the best of the oxen. And let's sacrifice some things to God. Let's not kill everybody. Again, that's Saul. Saul was told to exterminate two at one point and for one particular city, and he didn't do it either. A lot of times people imagine that God would have them to do things, you know, kind of my way. Not necessarily God's way, but maybe my way. But notice here in Judges chapter 2, it's noteworthy to notice that God wasn't saying that, you know, what you did was, you know, what you should have did. Your, your good plan wasn't my plan, but it's okay, it's all fine. It shows here in Judges chapter 2 that God appeared to them. 
And again, this is pretty amazing. God doesn't appear to people that many times in the Bible. But after this, God did appear to them in Judges chapter 2, verse number 1, as the angel of the Lord. I just want to point this out here, just reading through these verses. We see the way of stopping short. Some stop because of initiative or lack of resolve or wanting to maybe do something a little bit different or it, it doesn't really matter. We're just about finished anyway. We see a weeping occur after they're reprimanded by the angel Lord for stopping short. In verse 1, it says, An angel Lord came unto Gilgal at Bochum, and he said, I made you to go up out of Egypt. I made you. So is this angel Lord just an angel? No, this is God. I made you. This is God. And I brought you out of the land which I swear unto your fathers. We're talking about God and his covenant. And I said, I'll never break my covenant with you. I, not this angel, we might think this is an angel. An angel can be a messenger. This is, again, what we would call a theophany or Christophany, where Jesus, an Old Testament Jesus appearance of God, appears to them in the form of an angel. And it says, and you shall make no league with the inhabitants of the land. Again, do you remember that? They talked about that in Deuteronomy. But you shall throw down their altars. That's what Moses said, throw down their altars. But you not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Boy, that's, that's rough. Why did you do this? Why did you stop? Why did you not complete what I told you to do? There's a purposeful confrontation by God with his people. And certainly they knew they had disobeyed and not done what God had told them to do. It says in verse 4, And it came to pass when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept. They wept. Why did they weep? Because they knew they hadn't done what they're supposed to do. They wept, I believe, because they knew they were in trouble with God. There was remorse over what they had not done. God told them to deal with the people, to exterminate the people, and they didn't do it. He told them again to destroy the altars in the land, verse number two. He said there not to make a league with the inhabitants, and here they were keeping some of the inhabitants of the land so that they could tax them and take advantage of them and treat them like many other countries have as probably servants or slaves or people of less notoriety than them. But they did weep as a result of hearing the voice of God. We see the weeping of those who stop short of God's plan. When we stop short of God's plans, we need to recognize it, and we need to, again, deal with it. In verse number 5, And they called the name of the place Bochum, or Bochum, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. We see the remorse of the people. We also see some sacrificing take place by the people. Let's turn to James chapter 4. What should it be our reaction if we find out we've done something contrary to the word of God? Well, we need to do what God would have us to do. In James chapter 4 here, we find in the New Testament, remorse, repentance, contrition, making no excuses for herself. We don't see anybody here in this passage of Scripture make excuses. Well, you know what? The people were so nice there, we just wanted to keep them around. We don't see anything like that. We don't see, again, some of the you know, animals and stuff we could use for ourselves, etc. 
There was actually some true remorse, it seems, here that took place. James chapter 4 and uh, verse number 8, it says, Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. They're both worshiping God and also beginning to worship the gods of the land. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. And so we see the weeping of those that stop short. I believe, again, it may well have been a sincere kind of weeping that took place there in the Bible because you see also them come to a place not just of weeping, not just being sorry about it, not being like Saul who was caught uh, doing something wrong and say, just restore my office, let everything be good. You see them actually sacrifice here uh, to the Lord. It says there, and they sacrifice unto the Lord. Why they sacrifice unto the Lord? They would have brought probably a trespass offering type of situation to the Lord for sinning against God. Let's turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, a trespass type in offering because they'd sinned against God. They had done things that they shouldn't have done, and there were things that they should have done. They had not destroyed the Canaanites, which they were told to do, but they also had not finished the job that they were instructed to do. 2 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, verse number 20 through verse number 24. Again, if we do something wrong, again, then we're looking back at the Old Testament. There are right things to do and wrong things to do. In the Second Chronicles chapter 29, here, verse number uh, 20, Second Chronicles chapter uh, 29, verse number 20, what, what should someone do if maybe they've done wrong in Old Testament times? They would uh, sacrifice the Lord. Second Chronicles 29, verse number 20, it says, So they killed the bullocks and the priests and received the blood and sprinkled it upon the altars. Likewise, they had killed the... It's verse 22, I'm sorry. They sprinkled the blood upon the altar. They killed the lambs. They sprinkled the blood upon the altar and they brought forth the he-goats for a sin offering because the king and the congregation and laid them uh, uh, in their hands. And the priests killed them and made reconciliation with the blood upon the altar to make an atonement for all Israel. For the king commanded that the burnt offerings and sin offerings should be made for all Israel. Sin offerings. Trespass offerings. Atonement type offerings. Sacrifices were offered to the Lord. Let's turn back there to our text in Judges. We see a place of weeping. It wasn't, I believe, again, a place where they weep just a little bit. They call it a place of weeping. And so it was a place, again, where they got right with the Lord. They began to turn back towards the Lord. I don't believe they fully got restored to the Lord, but they saw what they did as being wrong. And so they gave, again, they, they, they cried and they sacrificed to the Lord. And uh, you read on here, verse number 6, it says, And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man onto his inheritance to possess the land. Now, just want to say that that's Joshua's dead. If you go back to uh, Judges chapter 1. But I'm just saying there's a kind of a reference here, a history reference here of what the people had done when Joshua was around that's kind of inserted here in verse 6. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel, when every man to his inheritance possessed, they served the Lord God all the days of Joshua. 
all the days they outlived Joshua, who had seen all the works that the Lord had did for Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, being 110 years old, they buried him in, uh, in the border of the inheritance of the Timarathres in, in Ephraim, on the north side of Gash, and all that generation that were gathered unto their fathers arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done. And here's where we pick up verse number 11. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam, and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed the gods, the gods of the people round about them, and bowed themselves down unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against the children of Israel. He delivered them in the hands of the spoils, and they spoiled them, and he sold them in the hands of their enemies round about, so they could no longer stand before their enemies, whithersoever they went. The hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, as the Lord had sware to them. And they were greatly distressed. Never the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of them that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto the judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. And they turned quickly out of the way, which their fathers walked in and obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not sow it. It goes on from there, but we see, and I want to look at here just quickly, we see again the wayward course of those that stop short. The wayward course of those that stop short. They may well have weep, they may well have sacrificed, but we see now they go into a place where they're, as we see there, verse number 11, where they turn from God as a people. The people of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and forsook the Lord, God of their fathers, and brought them out of the island of Egypt and followed after their gods. On and on it goes. These people stopped short of doing the will of God and they made leagues. And they didn't destroy the idols. And they went further there. The Bible shows us there they began to follow the gods of the land. And they forsook, verse number 13, the Lord. And God sent spoilers and enemies to hurt them. And they were greatly distressed, verse number uh, 15. And yet, even in that, God was gracious to give them judges, which we'll look at here in the weeks to come. And yet, they wouldn't listen to them. We see here some problems with coming short. What are the problems that come from falling short or doing short of what we should be doing? Uh, back to Judges 2. I'll close here tonight. Judges chapter 2. What are the problems of not obeying or not doing what God would have you to do? Well, they're summarized here. Judges chapter 2. I just want to read verse number 1 through verse number 3. It says, And the angel of the Lord came from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I made you to go out of Egypt. And I brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Again, there's a covenant that God and God's people had. You should make no league with the inhabitants of the land. You shall throw down your altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. Which, why, why have you done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you. But they shall be thorns in your sides and that God shall be a snare unto you. They stopped short, which led to trouble for them. 
Again, we just learned this little thought here tonight. We need to be careful what we stop short of. Stopping short of doing the will of God is not something we should do. We should do what we're supposed to do. We need to take care in what we stop short of doing or what we do continue to do. Take care to do the right stop shorts in life. Again, you see these guys, and it mentions they didn't drive out. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. We need to be careful that we, as a people, do what we're called to do. And uh, if we're not doing those sorts of things, as we see there, we should, again, begin to do what we're supposed to do. Verse number four, they wept. They offered sacrifices. They got right with the Lord. They began to do, I believe, what they were supposed to do, but it wasn't long before they were back to doing uh, things that they weren't supposed to do. But let me encourage you to stop short where you should and continue to do what God would have to do to do in areas where he'd have you to do them. And so let's take this thought with us here tonight and pray together as we close in prayer tonight, considering this idea of stopping short of God's will.